Well, amen, amen. He is the God of all of our days. He is the one that is there for us no matter what. As believers, he's always there. He's always God, and he's always going to be on the throne. What I'd like for us to do today is we're going to be beginning a series on the book of Acts. It will probably take us through the rest of this year. Uh, to cover this, but I believe that it is so pivotal that we look at the book of Acts because the book of Acts talks about the church. And so many are wondering today, what is the church? What is the church? We're not in the building anymore. We're not here as a group of people. We can't see each other. We can't hug each other. Are we still the church? Such an important thing that we need to understand, not even for right now, but for all of our time on earth, we need to understand what the church is because if we don't understand what the church is, we're not going to be able to be the church to a point. We got to understand what we are. And with all of this that's going on, this COVID-19 virus is going around and we're not able to be here, we need to understand that. We need to ask ourselves this question. Why did God create the church? That's a question. Why did God create the church? Maybe we could ask it this way. Is the church a visible institution? Or is it an invisible spiritual body? Can we see it? Can we not see it? Was the church meant to carry one unchanging form standing separate from the rest of the world? Or is the church designed to come again and to become not just part of the world or to stay separate? Are we to adapt to the cultural settings as a church in relating to mankind? What is the church? Why did God create it? Before we open to the book of Acts, I'd like to go over a few words for you so that we can understand where we're coming from, so that we can begin to understand this. What is the church? as we look today at the kingdom of heaven. But what is the church? Well, let's go back. Let me give you a little history lesson. And the word church is a Saxon word for sursing. That is the word that we get church from. And in the Greek, the word is kurikon. It means the Lord's house or place of Lord. The Lord's house or place of Lord. That's what the church is, the Lord's house. But let's take it a little more in depth and let's bring it into where we can understand it from the scriptures that we have. And the Greek word for it is the ekklesia. That's translated church in the Greek for called out. The church, ekklesia, is the called out. Now, if we take that just a little bit more in depth, this is where it really gets interesting for us, and this is where I believe today we can understand exactly what it is. But when you look at, there's two Hebrew words 
that were for this word, and one is Adaha, and that's the people assembled or unassembled, later known as synagogue, the general body of believers of Christ as a whole. The general body of believers of Christ as a whole. But there's another word that's called the kahal, and that's the assembling of God's people from the root word to call together, to act of assembling, a specific assembly. We could say the local body or the local church is the gahal, is Mount Olivet when we're sitting in here together. When we're meeting as a church, a local group here, we would be the gahal. But remember a while ago I told you there was the word Adah. And that is the one that we are right now because we are the church of God's people as a whole. We're not assembled in one place. We are God's church, the whole body. So we could say that during our time of this COVID-19, we're separation. We are the Adaha, not the Kahal, since we're not meeting here. But we are still the church. We are still what God created us as a whole body. And as we get ready to go into the book of Acts and we get ready, we're going to study the church. We're going to get to see from the time that Christ rose and then ascended to heaven and the Holy Spirit come, the forming of what is known as the church. We begin to see that word used in Scripture We begin to become the called out ones as the Holy Spirit fell down on them. And we're going to study what the church is. And I hope that you are excited about this as I am because we're going to have a great time finding out what it is. What is the church? Why did God create it? What are we supposed to do? Are we just to come and to meet together? Are we just to sit on the log, on the bench, whatever you might want to say? What is the purpose Why were we created? Why did God form the church? That's what we're going to begin to find out over these next weeks and months as we study Acts. And it's going to be broke down into three major parts. And we'll discuss that more next week. But I want us to get into the book of Acts. And I want us to open it up and and to begin to read God's Word so that we can just jump right on in and get started with this. As we look today at the introduction or the, the kingdom of heaven is going to be our highlight for today. If you have your Bibles, if you would, open them up with me to the book of Acts chapter 1. The book of Acts chapter 1. Amen. If you are able to, would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Acts 1 1. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, 
but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Father God, thank you. Father, I thank you so much for your word. And Father, I just pray today that you would allow Holy Spirit to illuminate your word to us. That Father, you would allow him, the Holy Spirit, Lord, to help us understand it. That he would reveal it to us. Lord, it's your word written by men, inspired by Holy Spirit. Father, open our eyes that we can behold wonderful things from your law. Father, begin even today, the first day, the introduction to teach us about who you are and the church and how the church is to operate, what makes the church. Father, I'm excited about this. I'm looking forward to it. Lord, would you just each day, Lord, just reveal more and more to me, Lord, that I may share with your people. Father, would you open our hearts to be ready to hear and to listen. Father, would you just help me right now, Father, to step aside. Because, Father, this isn't about me, but it's about you. And, Father, I'm seeking you now, asking that you would fill me, that you would anoint me for a time as this to proclaim your message. Father, would you help those listening and hearing, Lord, to hear correctly what you have to say. Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, the most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's just jump right in and begin as we were seeing there. We've got to understand that this is the book of Acts. Uh, your Bible might have it, the Acts of the Apostles. It would probably maybe even be a good way to say the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because when we look at this, we're going to understand what it is. But let's begin there in verse 1. It says, the first account I composed or maybe the former account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. The first account, the former account, as we look at that, would be the book called the Gospel of Luke. The physician Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. He also wrote Acts. It is a two-volume series, might be what we would say today, a two-volume book. Uh, two books in the volume, ever how you, you want to look at that. But the former account uh, is probably one of the best chosen words for here because the gospel of Luke was not the first gospel written. The gospel of Luke was not the first book written about Jesus, but it was the first in this two-part series. Two parts, the gospel of Luke, and the book of Acts. Amen. As we begin to look at that, that word former is chosen and the best one. And we need to understand who's writing this. It is the physician Luke. He traveled often with uh, his friend Paul. And we will see much of that as we move along throughout this. And it then tells us that it was written to Theophilus. Now there's a lot of debate with this word. But we just kind of kind of work our way through it. But Theophilus, if you take it in the Greek, is the word for friend of God. 
So this could have been being written to a very specific person. It could have been being written in general. But we believe that Theophilus was most likely a person, a friend of God, who was a Roman official. Well, why would we say that? Well, let's look where this is recorded in Luke. If you over in Luke chapter 1 and verse 3, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus. Well, if we know anything about the Roman period and the writings, most excellent was a title that was reserved for an official position. So for it to be written there, the most excellent Theophilus, we believe that he was a person and that Theophilus was a friend of God, a a friend of the Christians. Theophilus was a Roman official. We get from that most excellent But we also see back in our Acts that Jesus began to do and teach. Luke is writing here to Theophilus about what Jesus was doing. In his Gospel of Luke, it's talking about and compiling the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And it goes all the way up to Jesus is on the cross. Jesus is in the tomb. Jesus is out. And it ends with Jesus ascending up to heaven. And now Luke is saying, I'm beginning from there. I'm taking the second part. And now we're going to begin to find out what the church is about that Jesus began to do and to teach. Over in verse 2 there, it says, until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostle whom he had chosen. Until the day that he was taken up. That's what the old one, the former account was about. Now we have the new one. And Luke's gospel, as I mentioned a while ago, it ends with that ascension. Let's look at it in Luke 24, beginning in verse 15. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven, and they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. Jesus took his people out as far as Bethany, and then he began to bless them. And while he was blessing with them, he begins to ascend up to heaven. He begins to make his way back through the ascension process to the right hand of God, back up into heaven to which he had came from. And in your Bibles, it might say the word heaven, and it might not. In verse 2, it says, until the day when he was taken up. Some of yours might leave off there. You might have to heaven. The to heaven is put in there for us to understand what it was talking about. In the original Greek manuscript, it's probably not there, but going over to verse 11, we see very plainly there where it is talked about. In verse 11 says, they also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven. So we see right there where he went. So they put it into scripture so that it could be understood that Jesus at this point was ascending up to heaven. And then we see the 
promise of the Holy Spirit is mentioned, and we're going to dive into him a lot more in a little bit, but the Holy Spirit, as we see there in verse 2, is mentioned more than 50 times, more than 50 times in the book of Acts. The power of the Holy Spirit is where the work is, and we see that he had by the Holy Spirit given orders. Actually, this book that we're going to be reading about is all about that. It's all about the power of the Holy Spirit. But what else do we see there in verse 2 that he was giving the orders to his apostles? Now, this is a word that we need to understand as we get ready to go into the book of Acts. An apostle has a very strict classification, has a a very strict meaning. uh, To be an apostle, one had to be an eyewitness. So Jesus' apostles, those who were there, those who were eyewitnesses, were the ones who were there seeing this, being a part of it. And this is the only office that Christ himself established as he picked his apostles. There are many today that want to go around with the title of apostle, and that's not what this sermon is about. But to be a true apostle of Jesus Christ, you had to have been an eyewitness to what was going on. So we see here what's happening. This is the second part of writing in order of what was happening for this most excellent Theophilus as that is written to him and is talking about Jesus' life. But I want us to continue on this morning now and let's look at the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, verse 3. To these he also predestined, excuse me, verse 3. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Jesus showed himself alive after his resurrection. There is no doubt to the apostles, the eyewitnesses, that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the grave. It's no doubt to many who are around that saw Jesus Christ that they didn't just take his body off somewhere and put it somewhere else. He was a resurrected living Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He is alive today. He showed himself. We have eyewitnesses. They have written the accounts about that, and they so believed it that they became martyrs and were willing to die for that purpose. And he showed himself over a period of 40 days. It's very important, and I like how the Scripture has it, that he put over a period of 40 days and not for 40 days because the disciples didn't see him or the apostles didn't see him most likely every single day. They saw him over a period of 40 days. This is the only place in Scripture where we have reference to how long Jesus was around after his resurrection. And we know that he, after he ascended, he told them to wait in Jerusalem. And we know that the Holy Spirit, the gift that he had promised earlier, came after 50 days. So we see that Jesus was here for 40 days, and then he resurrected. So then there was 10 days that they were waiting in Jerusalem for Jesus to come, the kingdom of heaven. 
Now, that's a word that even they wasn't sure of back then. That's a phrase that maybe we have some questions for today. The kingdom of heaven. I think a good place to look is in Luke's gospel, Luke 17, beginning in verse 20. Now, having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Is the kingdom of God a place? Is kingdom of God what we call heaven? Is kingdom of God Jerusalem? What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God are the people ruled by God. The kingdom of God, the word used there, is talking about a royal administration where God rules. Matthew 6 and verse 33, Jesus said it this way, but seek first, but seek first, his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Maybe let's take that kingdom as we understand as a rule, but seek first God's rule in your life. Seek God. He is the ruling administration. That's the kingdom of God, the ruling over your life. The first thing in our life we need to be seeking is for God's lordship, for his kingdom, for him to be ruling over who we are. That should be the first thing. Once we can get there, then that righteousness that Jesus puts on us, then we're able to seek, and then he's going to add things to us. God has blessings in store for us that he's just waiting to give to his people if we will just seek him and let him be Lord. If we will let him rule over our life, if we can fall humbly. Remember what we talked about in Bible study last week. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, put ourselves in subjection under God, if we will pray on behalf of others, if we will seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways. See, turning from our wicked ways comes as God is Lord because we admit that our wicked ways are against Him and that we're turning to Him and that when He is Lord, then we turn from our wicked ways. That's important. That's where we are now. We are the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not something that we go to once we die. The kingdom of God, as Jesus said, it's here and now. It's not going to come. It is here. It was there when he was there. It's here today. And that is God's rule. We are in his kingdom. But thirdly, I want us to look at the Holy Spirit this morning as we get ready. Uh, back there at Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. Gathering them together... He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you have heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Baptized with water. 
John the Baptist was baptizing with water, just as baptism today is a symbol of what has happened on the inside, the baptized with water was a symbol in John the Baptist's day before Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Baptism was a symbol of people understanding that they needed remission of their sins, understanding that they were not following the law and that they needed God to forgive them. Matthew 3 verse 5 says this, Then Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the districts around the Jordan, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. Their baptism then was symbolizing their confession, symbolizing that they needed that remission. Today, the baptism is a symbol that we are heirs with Jesus, that we have died to our old self as he died, that we've died to our sins as he rose up, we rose up. The death, the burial, and the resurrection is portrayed between our baptism and what it symbolizes has happened in us, symbolizing that we've come into the kingdom of heaven. And it says there in that uh, verse 5, but you will be baptized. Now we know in the English language, you can have two different meanings. You could be you, one person, or you could be you, a group of people. This here is the plural you. Jesus is telling his apostles and those that are there that it was coming, and just as he said there, but you, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The promise that Jesus was talking about, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That is the one that was going to come. We know that Scripture, Jesus talked about that he must go because until he goes, that they can't send the Holy Spirit. And I'm so glad that Jesus went because Jesus had on flesh and Jesus had some human limitations that he chose to allow himself to fall under, and that was he could only deal with the people who were right there with him. But when he ascended to heaven, and in those few days later on Pentecost, when Holy Spirit come down for the time to permanently reside in people, he can be with everyone. Praise the Lord. He's with me. He's with you. He's with every born-again believer. The Holy Spirit is there. What does the Holy Spirit do for us? But the Holy Spirit joins us into the body of Christ. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For by one Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, the church of Jesus Christ. We were all baptized into that ecclesia, the, the adaha, the assembled those that are the body of Christ as a whole. Also, when the Holy Spirit come to reside in us at the moment of our salvation, the Holy Spirit, we were baptized into him. He came in, he filled us up, he joined us in with the body of God, and he made us the temple of God. 
The Holy Spirit is God. He's the third person of God. And when he come to dwell in us, it made our bodies special. It made our bodies a temple of God. And we need to understand that. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Let me read. I want to read that to you again. Let me read that because that's very important. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man... If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Church, we are the temple of God. This scripture right here says, you are holy. Inside of us dwells God through the person of the Holy Spirit. How do we destroy the body? How do we take care of our body? Let me ask you that question. Are you careful with what you bring into your body? Are you careful what you let your eyes see? Are you careful what you hear? Are you careful what you eat? Are you careful what you drink? You see, there's many ways that we can destroy the temple. Do you get enough rest? Do you get enough exercise? All of these things that take care of this fleshly body, this tabernacle, this body that will one day be gone but is holy because we house the Lord. We have that responsibility, church. And it says in here, according to God's word, if a man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy and that is what you are. Church, I pray that you seek God about this, that you seek God about your temple because he says that if we destroy this temple, he will destroy us. Not only is the Holy Spirit the joining of us into the Christian life, into the Christ body and making us a temple, but the Holy Spirit, when he came on that day and filled us, as we're going to talk about more later, we were sealed into the body. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Jesus is telling them, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. I've told you about the Holy Spirit already, but you go and wait. And one day, not many days from now, he is coming and he will come upon you in a mighty way. And because of that, you will become part of the church, God's church, the whole church of God. Because of that, your bodies will become a temple of God where he lives and he resides. Because of that, you will be sealed for the day of redemption. We get the Holy Spirit as a gift and it seals us and it holds us so that no one can take us away until God comes and takes us to be with him forevermore and forevermore. 
The book of Acts is a powerful book that talks about the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. And what a way to pick up this morning and talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, but by seeing what that Holy Spirit's going to do, how he's going to empower and make us holy in what's coming. And church, you're going to not want to miss any of the parts coming ahead. As we dive into them and they get grander and they get greater, we're going to begin to see the glory of God, the power of the Holy Spirit working through and the formation of the church of what we are today, the church, the body of God, the kingdom of God under submission to that. What a powerful thing we are. We need to understand it because it's not ignorance. God give it to us in his word and we need to understand it. We need to be knowing what it is. What is it in these days when we're separated that makes the church? Why did God make the church? But we need to understand who we are. What better thing to do than to understand your heritage by looking at the beginning of the church, finding out what we're to do, finding out why maybe is COVID 19 virus ravishing the world like it is. If we look at those scriptures that we talked about earlier out of Second Chronicles and God talking about sending that pestilence, that disease, but he's talking to the church. We church need to wake up. We need to stop being laxed. We need to be on fire for God. And we can only do that when we understand what the church is. What are we? How can we do that? God created us for a purpose. And if we don't understand what the church is, then we don't understand what our purpose is. If we don't understand what our purpose is, then we can't wake up and turn from our wicked ways. We can't get through this. I believe the sooner God's people wake up, the sooner God will remove this COVID. Because let me tell you, church, he's stronger than COVID. He's more powerful, and he can send a wave of revival through this world faster than COVID come and more powerful than that. That's the power of our God. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that we're going to be studying in the book of Acts. I encourage you, don't miss a time. If you do, there's going to be copies of it available by DVD. It'll be online. You can go back and see it. We can find a way to get you a copy if you miss it. Uh, if you miss a Sunday, well, a couple of days into the first part of the week, it'll be up online for you to be able to watch. You're not going to miss any of it. I believe that we at Mount Olivet, the church, find out what Acts has to say for us and what the church is, revival, revival will break out. It's going to break out in me. I'm going to be ready. Are you going to be ready? Amen. For just the next few moments, we still got our TVs on. As always, please don't turn them off. I got something very important for you in just a moment. But I need you to understand this, that we're here for you. There's a phone number that's going to pop up on the bottom of the screen. It's a new number that we have for a prayer line. It's 318-697-3113. 318-697-3113. This number is available 24 hours a day. All you need to do is call that line and someone will answer. 
If we're on the phone with someone else, leave a message. We'll call you back very quickly. We don't want to miss anyone. But church, as I mentioned earlier, the kingdom of God, the church, is under his rule. Are you allowing God to be the ruler in your life? Are you allowing your temple to be pleasing to God? If not, today is the day. Repent out to God. Turn to Him and say, God, I'm turning back to you. We see in Scripture all the time in the Old Testament that God's people would chase after Him and He would bless them and He would protect them and and He would just unlavish his love on them and then it wasn't long that they would turn their backs on him and they would move out from underneath his protection but as soon as they come back to him he's always there hands open willing and waiting maybe today you say i have never accepted christ i pray that today would be that day that you realize that you're in need of a Savior, that you have sin in your life, that God created a perfect world and you were separated through your sin and through God sending His Son to die on the cross to pay the price that you owe of death and separation is revival for you, freedom in God. You can receive that today. Call us. Let us share with you. Amen. Don't forget the new prayer line, 318-697-3113. May God bless you. Your pastor loves you. I'm praying for you. I'm here for you. Let me close this in prayer this morning. Father God, thank you for your great love. Father, thank you for the gift of your word. Father, thank you for the gift of music and the ability that we can sing and we can worship you. Father, thank you that we can bring our offerings to you and say thank you and that we believe that you will provide and take care of us even in these difficult times. And Father God, thank you for your love for us. Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, today to get some sunshine from your beautiful sun. And that, Father, that you would fill us with your love and your radiant power. And that you would help us to feel, Lord, your presence, knowing that we're not alone. Father God, I just pray everything in that precious, most holy name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.